welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I'm going to invite, if we can, um, praise team, would you guys come down here for a minute? And then uh, Ryan's got some words that he wants to share over you guys today. You guys are more than welcome to grab a seat. Whew, it's good stuff. Man, <clears throat> I could sit there for a while. Well, I, I do want to, this is, this is presence uh, worship and uh, this is a good friend, Jake Stemmo, and, and his wife, Micah, they, um, they launched Presence Worship about three years ago. And I'm going to let Jake just, just give a brief synopsis of what that is, and I want to pray over them. And uh, yeah, so just, just I invite you to open, open up your heart, and that way be, be considerate of maybe how you can pray for them in the coming weeks. Yeah, amen. Isn't Jesus so good? Like, his his presence just gets better and better and better. It's like, you know, it's like when we're reading in Revelation, it says they bow down and they look back up and they were in awe and they fell back down in worship. It's like that's what happens time and time again in his presence. Um, my wife's name is Micah and, you know, we had this vision to disciple worship leaders and really the Lord called us out a couple of years ago, four or five years ago, just to disciple one. And so we decided to take one worship leader in our home and just go after the way of Jesus. And that was, you know, eat at my table, do what I do, walk with me. And really what that developed into was just this ministry of seeing the next generation of worship leaders discipled in the way of Jesus and not in the way of a platform. And so that's what we're about. That's what we're going after. Like most of this team here went through our summer residency Uh, where we do like eight weeks intense of just like being in the prayer room in the presence of the Lord and then going out and leading worship and really out of the secret places where the ministry in the heart of the public place comes alive. And so really like trying to teach that is not like a textbook. It's like come in and let Jesus wreck your heart for him and his kingdom. And so what we've been doing now in the fall is really just felt a sense a couple weeks ago to go and sing across the state of Kansas. And so we went to seven different places, led worship, and just really the word the Lord gave us was that we were supposed to raise the praise across the state of Kansas. And there's something that's shifting in our state. And I don't know if you guys feel it. I don't know if you guys realize it. But what happens in Kansas, it matters to the, st- the whole U.S., but it also matters to the whole globe. And so I want to encourage you, like, we moved here from Chicago eight years ago, and we felt like this was a very insignificant place. But the Lord has been renewing me so much, like this realization that the Lord wants to do significant things in insignificant places. And so I've just been rocked time and time again as we've been going out and just releasing praise in these cities, and people are hungry for the presence of the Lord. And so this next week on Thursday, we're going to be going out again. It's not seven days in a row, but it's going to be the first couple weeks of October. We're going to be going to seven different places. The Lord, we just prayed and the Lord put some some towns on our heart. Some people connected us. And so we're going to go and they're all mainly outdoor worship nights. And what what I want you to, to pray for, and Ryan said, is there anything specific you can pray for after the first service? Like there's an attack on worship. Like what just happened here this morning and you guys being here and worshiping King Jesus, Satan hates it. And I'm telling you, like, 
even us going throughout the state, like we've even felt like Satan hates that people are being set free as they sing. And so, I mean, it's, reality is it's been the war from the beginning. It's been the war, the worship war is not between classic and contemporary. It's always been between who gets the glory, us or Jesus. And that's what Satan's problem was at the beginning. And so I want to encourage you, one, how you could, two things how you can pray for us. Pray against the attacks of the enemy. Like we just feel like there's like this, like even in the culture we're in, it's like everything's tense, everyone's on edge, everyone's trying to figure out all of these different things. Just pray that like anything that the enemy's trying to throw at us would be like just knock us down. And we believe, we believe that Jesus is in the midst of this. And then the second thing, just pray for our team. Just pray for unity. Pray that we would walk in step with the Holy Spirit and not in the step with our tune or our song. But we want to sing and say what he wants. And so just be, just be praying for a great unity. And we, we also, like my wife and I, want to just thank you guys. Like this, you guys may not know it, but this church family has like come around presence and supported us for several years now of just like pouring their hearts and belief into what we're going after. And even to the point of saying like, we believe in you. You cannot not do this. You need to go after this. Like these two guys have been like, we want what's on your heart to come out. So don't stop. Whatever we need to do to stay on you, to go after the thing Jesus has put on your heart. And I I just want to say thank you to you guys. Me and my wife are just so grateful for this church family just pouring into us. And so Love you guys. Hopefully I didn't say too much. Awesome. Well, if you would, uh, please extend a hand just as a, as a symbol and a blessing. And uh, these guys are shy over here. They're, they're kind of staying over the side. That's all right. We'll bless you. Um, but no, they're going out. And so let's, yeah, let's just pray for them. Lift them up. God, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for what you're, you're birthing right here in Wichita. I'm reminded of where, where people would say, well, what good can come from Nazareth? Well, you came, I mean, from Nazareth. You, you grew up there. And yet, what a powerful, uh, yeah, just place that was. And so Wichita would be a, a city of inspiration. God, we may not be the destination for people, but we're the city of inspiration, that this city would inspire uh, the nations, literally the nations. It would go to the farthest places, and so, so thank you for ministries like Presence that feel the call um, locally to our state, uh, to the United States, and globally, and Jesus bless them as they go about. And I pray that you, you would already begin to thwart the, the, the strategies and the schemes of the enemy. You said in 1 John 3, 8, it says in 1 John 3, 8, that, that the reason the Son of Man came was to destroy the works of Satan. So Jesus, right now, we pray that. We pray that um, in advance of what they're about to do. We pray that from any discouragement that they might feel in their own hearts as they personally get ready for this. Lord, as they, as they come into your presence individually and in that secret place, Lord, we pray for, um, for discouragement to leave, despair to leave, any fear to leave, any anxiety to leave. And Lord, that you would free them. And, and Lord, that they would be the ones who, who lead others into a freedom with you, Jesus. And so thank you for this ministry. Bless them, guide them. Oh, Lord, what, what just beautiful, uh, pure praise. Thank you, Lord, for beautiful, pure praise that comes from the lips of your children. Bless them. And bless this, this opportunity to go and spread that around, this, around the state of Kansas. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we say thank you one more time for leading today? James and Stephanie. James and yeah. You guys were right on the front row. Come on up here. You can bring your whole family, too. Um, so today, we're going to give a lot of mission updates. So Presence is a, 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 a ministry that we support uh, by your guys' faithfulness. And then we've got missionaries we support as well uh, that do local things and global things. And James and Stephanie and the kids are here to share 
about such things. Yeah. So yeah, go it ahead. Came up because no one sit next to the pastor ever. Like I was, I, I pastored a church for many years, and no one would sit next to me on the front row. So <laughs> we knew it was open. So come sit next to him sometime. Make him feel good. Um, yeah, we just want to say this is uh, our, my family here. My name's James, Stephanie, and Kyle, Anna, and and Claire are our kids, and uh, we're just really blessed to. Uh, have the Lord just say, I want you to, to really begin to, to pour fuel onto the nations. And so uh, what, what started uh, as prayer and, and obedience to the Lord and just crying out to him has, has really turned into uh, us traveling into the nations and traveling to uh, primarily the, the Middle East and North Africa with Arab people and just uh, beginning to say, Lord, what are you doing here? And, and how do you do it? And, and how do we partner with this? And so the Lord has led us into relationships with people uh, that has all resulted from the secret place, that's all resulted in prayer. And then he's brought that to come to pass. And so I just want to encourage you, like as, as the Lord stirs things in your heart, just go pray and then say, okay, Lord, I'm in for the next thing too. Uh, but he'll lead us into it. And so uh, we have the privilege of really partnering with uh, various people in, in different countries in the Middle East. And uh, Aaron and I were talking, he's, when the explosion went off in Beirut, you guys remember that, that huge explosion? He said a lot of you guys, uh, just your hearts kind of rose up. And so I just want to give a report on that, that uh, it's difficult there. It was difficult uh, for the year before then. Uh, they were having uh, lots of financial trouble, uh, near collapse in their, in their country. Uh, and then there was an explosion. The only thing that the explosion brought was, uh, I believe, in a way, a blessing because it, it put them uh, while. And I, I think they look at the difficulty that's going on there and people wanted to help. And so uh, while and I, I think there was a lot of grace in the Lord protecting the lives, so many lives that, that could have been lost that day. And so uh, but the church is is there and they're and they're growing in love for Jesus, but they're also under. Uh, the same suffering that, that everyone else is under. And the food is 10 times the price that it should be. It's difficult. Uh, you know, we send some masks over there uh, because their country says they wear masks, but they were choosing between buying a mask or buying food. And so it's, it's just a really difficult place to, to be right now. Uh, but we want to just keep walking with them. And so as soon as we're able, we want to get over there and just be with them and, and really care for them. But we want to train them up and so what our heart is, is like, let's, let's help you understand the presence of God. Let's help you learn to hear his voice. Let's walk in that, walk in obedience, be a unified body. There is no competition within the body. Let's begin to work all those differences out that we have. And, uh, and so that's kind of uh, a lot of our role in the nation is just walking alongside uh, and, and coming alongside and loving the, the, the indigenous believers. Most of them are all Muslim background believers. And so they're very new into Christianity. They're learning a lot. Uh, and so it's a real privilege. And then we have a lot of ministry we do here locally as well. I help with the prayer movement. We serve uh, uh, in places in our city where there's a lot of open-air drug use. And we just want to go in there and, and worship and pray and bring the gospel and, and build relationships with people. My wife uh, does a lot of work with the, with the ladies here in town. And so I'm just going to have her share a little bit about that. All right, um, so I go each week with a group of ladies to bring the hope of Christ where uh, they have lost all hope here in Wichita. And, um, they've given their bodies over to um, all kinds of things in uh, strip clubs, in brothels, 
And uh, yeah, a lot of various ways that they have lost all hope. And so we take the gospel in and we get to love on them. We get to hold them and pray for them. And uh, yeah, so the Lord is, is raising up women from the ashes to declare his praises. And so we get to go and find them, <laughs> find those jewels. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a privilege to see women um, come to the light and want him and want to be pure. And uh, so yeah, we thank you for your support. And everywhere we go, we see the Lord is, he's bringing forth the jewels from the ashes to declare his praises. And so we do not a very typical ministry, you know, going back and forth here. But uh, we just thank Aaron and, and Ryan for just saying yes and saying, we're going to support this and come behind you, even if you're not a typical missionary, but we get it and we know what you're doing. And so we just thank you guys for that. Man, good word. Good. No, hey, I just want to say, um, man, it's so fun to be here with you guys. I look out and I see so many faces that are dear to us. And so what a, what a blessing to see some of you from, from of old and some of you that are new and we walk with currently. But uh, it's a blessing to be here. We're going to have some cards in the back if you want to take one and just, just pray for us or, or meet with us and talk with us more about this. It's, it's in our heart. It's still fresh, but we want to also raise up a, a, a discipleship training school here in Wichita of people that have mission burning in their hearts that want to get and learn how to do cross-cultural missions uh, by following the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we would love to talk to anybody that wants to, to do that as well. Amen. Stay up here. We're going to pray for them, church. So I don't know if you heard what he was saying. So, you, you, so the goal is to have a training center where you won't have to go somewhere out of state, but right here in Wichita, you'll be trained up to do missions. And what I love about this is I want you to see, this is an all, all just normal, normal family. I know we all say things like, well, you know, I have kids. You know, I would go, but I've got kids, and some of them are tiny. Hey, right here, right? And so there's something about looking at them and going, wow, you want to go to Lebanon? Like, I was thinking we would start, like, in Destin, Florida and clean up the beach or something, right? And we're all like, sign me up for that one. But here's what I'm trying to say. All over the world right now, the gospel is moving because of faithful men and women. And not just overseas. You heard Stephanie talk about the strip clubs and the brothels where there are women that just need to know their value in Christ. Start here and then maybe sign up for one of those other ones and say, we're going to go. But I just, we've made excuses for too long. We've made it, my kids, when they get a little bit older, maybe when we're in a better situation in life, and I'm telling you right now, now is the situation, amen? So we extend a hand out, we're going to pray over them, and just pray that the Lord goes with them, and, and just everything that they do, he shines through them. Father, thank you for James and Stephanie and the kids. Father, we know that you've anointed them to proclaim the good news to the ends of the earth. We know that you've given them authority to break the chains that the enemy has surrounded people with. And Father, we thank you for the partnership that they have in Lebanon and here in Wichita. We're asking, Lord Jesus, for favor. We're asking for open borders, and we're asking for provision and supply, Lord, that when they go over there, Jesus, and they pour into the hearts of the Lebanese people, that there would be an increase in faith in that church, and it would explode with the gospel, Father. We know, Jesus, that it's not about what we bring in terms of the earthly things. It's about who we bring, and it's you. And so, Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that when James and Stephanie are able to go over there, that they would carry the mantle of the Holy Spirit with them everywhere they go. I thank you, Jesus, that this city has been 
being turned upside down as well because men and women have dedicated themselves to go into the deep, dark places that nobody else wants to go. And I pray that Jesus, through this family, God, it would ignite a fire in many families, Jesus. I pray that there would be more hearts that burn like this to say, we can do something now. We don't have to wait till life changes, situations change, circumstances change, kids get older. But now, Father, you've set this time as a time of now, Father. And so we thank you, Jesus, for James and Stephanie and their kids. Bless them, protect them. Thank you for the provision you give to them. We love them and we send them forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Can you guys give them one more hand? Thank you, guys. Amen, amen. I know uh, we are, we're going to rock and roll today through this. Real quickly, just want to throw out one more thing, and that is um, that we have uh, uh, the prayer calendars for October. Um, this weekend, Saturday, and then today is kind of the all-city prayer since we can't gather uh, in a large group. There's pockets of prayer. We're asking you guys to be praying tonight with your families, get together with your neighbors, and just spend about an hour in prayer together. Uh, pray for our nation, uh, pray for our city, pray for your neighborhoods. Um, but this calendar, we put these out every month, and primarily our, our focus wants to be to, to do before anything else, be a house of prayer. And so this gives you each and every day uh, uh, something to pray for with the body. So encourage you guys uh, to do that. Well, let's jump in today. How many love you some Jesus? Let's start with that. Amen. Amen. Um, today, I want to just real quickly, just recap. We've been in this uh, series called Seeds of Revival. We've talked about evangelism. We've talked about uh, intimacy with Jesus. We, we've talked about Holy Spirit's empowerment uh, last week. Uh, but we would miss the target. We would miss the mark if we talked about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We talked about evangelism and, and intimacy and all those things. If we did not address the issue that's lingering above us, which is an issue of who do we belong to? What is our identity? Because we can go out and try to charge the field and say, Lord, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. If we don't know who we are, that's going to be catastrophic. Amen. If we don't know who he is, that's going to be catastrophic. And so there's something about when the Holy Spirit comes in us that he gives us a new name that we see throughout Scripture, that he gives us a new identity that we see throughout the Word of God. And so I want to talk about this idea this morning about sonship. Uh, this weekend, we had about 65 guys that got together for the men's camp out. And uh, it was an awesome time. Lots of things blew up. Amen, guys? Lots of things. Blew up a lot of stuff. But you know the word for power when it talks about the Holy Spirit is the Greek word that means dynamite. There was dynamite. And literally there was some dynamite. And then spiritually there was dynamite that was happening out there. These guys were so stirred to know who God is and who they are in Christ. And so when we talk about this word sonship, it's a big deal. From the very time that we're born, we're getting ready to sign the birth certificates of our children, sons or daughters. We get ready to put a name on them, and we all have these expectations of what this child's going to be. You get the little onesies that say, you know, future doctor, <laughs> right? Right? You get the little onesies that say future football star, whatever. We're trying to slap labels on these kids right away knowing that, man, this is my desire, this is my wish. And I'm going to tell you, before that child was ever born, God already had a label he wanted to slap on them. And that label that he wanted to slap on them is that they are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. More than ever before right now, man, my heart, I've got a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, 10, and 6, and especially for my two older ones right now, they are in a war in their identity of who they are. 
All the world is trying to come against them and all of God is trying to be poured out on them and they have to decide, do I resonate with the world's identity over me, which is gonna lead to death, or do I resonate with God's identity over me, which is life? This is a war that we are in, church, and I'm telling you right now, this idea of sonship is a big deal in the word of God. Last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit has two kind of primary functions. He's got a lot of functions, but kind of two primary that we wanted to focus on. One was the empowerment, the empowerment function where he gifts us, and we go out, and we do things for the kingdom, and then there's the indwelling presence, the Christ, marks us to make us more and more and more like the image of Christ. And that's what I want to talk about this morning quickly. And I want to do that by first starting and just letting you know that the language of Scripture is all about, if you read in the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, what you'll see as language in this thing is that God will bring the restoration of all things. That there is this brokenness and then there's going to be a restoration. That this thing was once lost, but now this thing is once found. That this thing wasn't working right, but God's going to put it back in working order. So throughout the gospel and throughout the word, from Genesis to Revelation, you see God moving in this way and in this flow where he's bringing restoration to all things. And it's going it's to be like this pinnacle moment when the clouds roll back and Jesus comes back that it's all going to come together amen it's a beautiful thing that he's that he's doing in this restoration to put back in order the things that he created in perfection it's why christianity you hear say this all the time it's why christianity is not just a a thing to try to save you from hell the bonus is we get eternal life with Jesus. The bonus is we get to spend eternal life with Jesus. But Christianity is not just something we do to be saved from hell. In fact, we don't live by going, you know, I'm going to try to live the best I can until Jesus shows up. It's why when we come into Christ, we are a part of this mandate of bringing heaven to earth, which is what Jesus prayed. Amen? We talked about that last week. And we're passionate about what this is. When we come into Christ, we are a part of this on earth as it is in heaven group of people that believe that to the core. And we see this play out in the creation story. We know it in Genesis that this is where the war is battling at. It says in Genesis that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and he breathed the breath of life in him. And that breath of life, I believe that God breathed into mankind and womankind, that breath of life was the breath of the Holy Spirit that brought man to life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says, the Spirit gives life. And then something happened. The fall happened We know the fall, Adam and Eve took, they ate of the tree they weren't supposed to eat of, and something happened to the spirit life that we had that marked us, we were identified with Christ, his spirit resonated with our spirit, we belonged to one, their eyes were fixed on Jesus, nothing else mattered, it was God and God alone in the garden, they didn't need anything else, and they ate of the tree, and all of a sudden they became soulish men and women, self-centered men and women. They saw what they saw, they began to be self-aware, and all of a sudden the identity that they once had had in Christ, that identity where they were made in his perfection, the one where we didn't need to look outside of him, was stripped away, and we began to become self-aware of our own self. Even though our identity was always supposed to be on him, 
Our heart was always supposed to be on him. Our eyes were always supposed to be on him. And in that moment, the God identity that we held, the image bearers of Christ that we were created in, we traded that for a self-image. We traded that for a new identity. And it says it, it says they became self-aware, their eyes were opened, they realized they were naked, they became self-aware of what was going on in their own life, and it says, and they felt shame. And they felt shame. And from that moment on in history, it's men and women trying to find an identity for their life and always wondering why they're falling short. I'm just going to try to build an identity for myself and wondering why, why, why we can't make that win in our life. And this is why the gospel came in Christ Jesus. This is why Jesus came. He came to, we know it, we, he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to set us free. He came to break the prisoner's chains. He came to give sight to the blind. We know all these things, right? He came to reclaim that which was lost. Come on, church. Matthew 18, 11. Matthew 18, 11. Go back and read this real quickly, okay? For the Son of Man has came to save, everybody say that. That which was lost. Now, I find that interesting that he uses the word that. And I like to hang on words in scripture. For the same son of man came to save that which was lost. Why did it say the son of man came to save he who was lost? Or she who was lost? It says that, and I'll tell you why I believe it says that. He came to that which was lost, and I'll tell you what was that which was lost. That which was lost happened at the Garden of Eden when they traded the image of God, they traded, or they traded the, the uh, identity of God for the identity of themselves. I think Jesus came to say, I think that when Jesus came, he came to, yes, set the captives free, give us an identity in him. I think that that's what was lost. What was lost is that Adam and Eve, Jesus came to say, you know what was lost? Knew who they were until sin entered in, and then they traded that identity. And I think Jesus came to say, you know what was lost? Your identity. I came to give it back to you. Because the rest of the gospels that you begin to read, what you see is a bunch of men and women throughout Jesus' time on planet earth and throughout the rest of the disciples' time, what you see is a bunch of men and women showing people who they are in Christ and their value. Adam, who was in the Lord, and traded that for an image of himself, was lost. He didn't just sin, he did, but he didn't just sin. He took the nature of God's enemy, and the nature of God's enemy is a self-awareness of just who I am and not who God is. And this is why from the day that that happened, now every man, woman, and child who comes to know Christ, we say that they're reborn. There's a rebirth in Jesus. Why? Because the rebirth means I've died to that self-identity that I once adhered to, and I've died, and I've been reborn into that new identity who is in Christ Jesus. This is why we have to be reborn. This is why it's not on your works. This is why it's not if you try really hard. This is why, well, what if I was really, really good, and I didn't know Jesus, but I was really, really good? That's why it doesn't work. There has to be a rebirth in Jesus Christ. Amen. It's an identity issue that we're waging war in. I love what Dan Moeller says about this. I love what Dan Moeller says about this. He says, we've turned the prayer uh, of, of salvation into, Lord, let me go to heaven. That's it. We've just turned it, Lord, let me go to heaven, rather than a prayer to bring on the nature and identity of Christ in us on planet earth right now. 
Instead of a prayer of a transformation of our life and back into the image of Christ, we pray these prayers of salvation that someday, 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 I just want to go to heaven, Lord, instead of saying, Lord, help heaven to come into me right now. Luke 17, talking about the kingdom of God. Luke 17, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And he says the kingdom of God isn't something that you look for over here or over there. The kingdom of God is within you. He came to restore, church, his sons and his daughters through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. This is so, this is so, so critical. If we want to do this revival thing, and I just want to recap, when we say revival, we're not, kind of big, we're not talking big meetings, we're not talking about an event, that's not the revival we're talking about. We're talking about when the church is stirred to believe in faith, who Jesus is, and supernatural things break out, and the God moves, and the gospel goes out in a powerful way. When that begins to happen, it's because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, yes, but it's because a bunch of believers now know who they are in Christ. You don't have to work on it. You don't have to do better. You don't have to say, you know what? We got to work harder at talking or work harder at our meetings. It's something about an identity that comes over and you go, I know who I am in Christ. It changes everything. And so what I believe is we have to have an identity reset. We heard the word reset on society. There's a reset on society. There's a reset in this 2020 year. There's a reset. I believe the reset that we're having is an identity reset. You got men and women out there running around going, I don't know who I am. I don't know where I belong. I don't know if I'm on this side or this side. I don't know if I'm on the fringe or in the middle. I don't know where I'm at. And I think that the Lord is saying, I'm going to hit reset and the identity of Christ is about to fall. And it's going to start with you and I believing that in our own life first. It's interesting in the Old Testament. I'm going to show you real quickly, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament, before the Holy Spirit had fall, f- fallen on Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit had, had come down on all flesh as prophesied in Joel chapter 2, in the Old Testament you got good guys like Moses and Elijah and these men of God that are doing these crazy miracles. Elijah's calling fire down from heaven, consuming the altar of the Lord, and because of that, the prophets of Baal were killed. I mean, crazy things are happening, and yet you see these men full of the Spirit for that moment, and then right after that miracle that happens, they go, and Elijah sat underneath a tree, and he says, Lord, take my life. Why? Because somebody said, Elijah, we don't like you very much. Actually said, Elijah, we want to kill you. And so Elijah sits underneath a tree going, Lord, just take my life. Everybody doesn't like me. You just called fire down from heaven. So that's Old Testament. Then something happens in the New Testament. Pentecost comes. Fire falls down on all flesh as prophesied in Joel chapter 2. And all of a sudden, you got a bunch of men and women walking around feeling like they don't have anything to offer, ordinary, filled with the fire of God, knowing who they are now in identity, doing supernatural things. (laughs) It's like Old Testament, they're doing supernatural things and they're down about it. New Testament, they, they don't feel like they can do anything and they're filled with identity and now they're doing supernatural things. Amen, church? This is why the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence in our life, marking us in identity of sonship is, is such a big deal. Knowing who God is and who God is in you will bring the revival that we're talking about. And one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to remind you of this. You read all through the New Testament, all through the New Testament, it's the prodigal story. It never gets old. It's prodigal sons and daughters coming home to the reality of who they are. 
prodigal sons and daughters that say, I'm not a slave, I'm not a servant, I'm not an enemy, but I'm a chosen son and daughter of the king. It's a revelation that can only come from the Holy Spirit. You don't sit at home one day and just go, you know what, I think, I think I'm different. You don't just sit at home one day and say, you know what, I was made for something more. All of that comes, according to what Jesus prayed in John 14, 6, all of that comes because of the Holy Spirit that's leading you into that identity so that no one else can boast about it, amen? So the Holy Spirit right now in your hearts, where you're at, where you're sitting at, somebody's going, man, that's me. Like, I feel like I've been chasing the wind. I feel like I've been trying to find who I am. I feel like I've been trying to build myself on success, build myself on this, build myself on that, and none of it's fulfilling. And right now, that's not you coming up with those things. That's the Spirit of God going, you're getting it. I'm gonna push harder, I'm gonna push harder, till one day somebody stands up and says, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of the king. And so this is what's happening right here. The prodigal story will never get old. I don't care if you've heard it 10 billion times. The prodigal story, story of sons and daughters, one story. It is our story. Story of sons and daughters, once lost, searching for an identity in the Lord, reminding us to whom we belong. It's why Jesus spent so much of his ministry so much of his ministry, and we're reading of these encounters of the woman at the well, we're talking about it all the time, Zacchaeus, Nicodemus, and all these other people where he's encountering them and he's telling them who they are. He's telling them who they are because if they can have a revelation of who they are in him, they'll be world changers. And it's this idea of sonship that you are his, you belong to him. I've traded that slavery, that bondage, that strangers to God, and now we're free, sons and daughters of the king, over and over and over. And, and here, let me, just real quick, here's why. Because the idea, it's this idea of the kingdom of the gospel of Jesus Christ operating primarily through the language of it is finished. <laughs> it is finished. It's, it's the gospel is a language of finished work. It's not a language of it, it's almost finished, it's not a language of it'll come sooner than later and then it'll be finished. When Jesus cried out those words, it is finished, he meant it. Everything that you need now to identify with God and move in him, amen? So, so, so listen to this, 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us, we've, we, we've studied this in here, who've had the veil removed, all of us who've had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us. Somebody say makes us. When you start to believe this and you buy into this and you're locking eyes with the King of Kings, the Lord, make, the Spirit makes us, I love this, he makes us grow more and more and more into his glorious image. Okay. So, so why is this so important for us? In Romans chapter eight, verse 14, let me just read this real quickly. In, in, in Romans chapter eight, verse 14, it says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you fear again. Rather, the spirit received brought about your adoption to sonship. Everybody say sonship. sonship. It's your position. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are, that we are, not we're working on it, that we are God's children. 
That indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our life is reminding us, testifying to the truth. And that's what the enemy does not want you to hear. Jake said the enemy is warring against the worship of God. The enemy does not want worshipers of God. I agree with it. The enemy also does not want men and women to come into their identity. It's a war. It's a battle. And he says, if we are children, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And then he goes on in verse 18. Listen to this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. Where? Somebody say, in us. In us. For all of creation. All of creation. The trees and the rocks, the birds and the beasts of the field. All of creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Creation that's groaning, revealed to the sons and daughters of who you are. I was sharing with first service, totally random thought. Unfortunately, I got stuck watching Lion King the other day. The cartoon version, okay? And uh, there's a, I, I knew kind of was preaching identity, but there's a part in there. Do you guys remember when Simba is looking down in the pool of water, he's run away from home and his, you know, father's died and Scar took over and desolated the land and he thinks it's all his fault and he runs away and, and you know, the, the girl lion, whatever her name is, Nala, thank you. So I pay attention to these Disney movies, sometimes I cry. Um, Nala comes in, she's like, don't you know who you are? You're the rightful, you're the rightful king of the land. Go, go, go. He's like, no, no, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me. You're the prince, don't you know you're the prince? And he looks at that pool of water, great king, the one who ruled with all, to see the ripple image of his father, the king, the king, the great king, the one who ruled with all authority, the one that nobody would test in the land. And he's looking down and he sees that image of his father and all of a sudden the revelation that he's looking down and he sees the image of his father it's actually becoming the image of him as well and something happens in him and he's stirred and I'm like I don't think the creators of Disney knew what they were doing they can't hijack the gospel message amen and he runs back to the land and this land that was desolated by his uncle he defeats Scar resets in order the way that it was supposed to be. Why? Because he saw the image of his father in him. He knew who he was. Church, I'm telling you, when we begin to buy into this idea of identity that I have been marked as a son and daughter of God, the empowerment will come. When we buy into the idea that I have been marked as a son and daughter of God, the evangelism, sharing the gospel message will come. When we begin to buy into this idea that I'm a son and daughter of the King of Kings, this identity over us, that we have intimacy with Jesus will come. So this morning I asked, I asked the band, I said, will you, I think there's some healing that needs to be done. But I, I just wanna, I wanna sing a song over the body and talk about healing for a moment because, and I'll tell you why, 
I believe that a lot of identity issues rise up because of brokenness in our past, not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy enough, uh, being marked by things in our life we're not proud of. Maybe it was sexual immorality. Maybe it was uh, abuse in your childhood. Maybe it was something real bad. Or maybe it was just something like, I was always left out. I just never felt like I was good enough. And so all of those begin to shape our identity. Or somebody's pushing you, you gotta be the best. You better be the best. You better be the best. And then you just keep hitting these achievements going, man, I was successful here and here and here and here and here. It's, just, it's never ending. I never feel good enough. And I believe all of that comes from hearts that need healed. So would you just close your eyes with me in faith and favor this morning? If, you, if you've been marked in such a way that was harmful. If there's an identity that filled the tension in your heart, I want to break free, but I've tried. I want to break free, but I can't. I want to break free, and I've done it, but I always run back. The song we sang, I, ran, I run back to Egypt, I run back to that slavery position. Then this morning, I want to pray healing over you. If you've been marked as being not good enough, you've been marked with abuse in your past, you've been marked because of something else, I believe the Lord wants you to trade that identity for His this morning. Just sit here for just a second. We have time. Don't think that this for some, don't think this is for your spouse. Don't think this is for your neighbor. Don't think this is for somebody else. The prodigal story is your story. From the time that you were born, the prodigal story is your story. Holy Spirit, would you reveal this to us this morning? Holy Spirit, would you show us? Show us the places that have marked our life that are not of you. We're not good enough. Wounded us to believe that we're not sons and daughters. Wounded us to keep away from this identity that we have the King of Kings who lives within us. In just a minute, the band is going to play. You can keep your eyes closed. In a minute, the band is going to play. I'm going to invite you to stand here in a second. And I'm going to be over in this corner over here. And I know that we're, you know, distancing, whatever, all that stuff. But if you feel stirred in your heart that you need prayed over this morning, like you know it, like, God, I feel the tension in my heart. I just want to pray over you. I don't want to miss that opportunity. If you want to come and just use this as an altar this morning and you want to come and pray and just lay down your old identity and give, give it to the Lord and say, God, fill me with your new identity. I just, I like bold approaches. If that's you this morning, you can come to this altar. If you know you need specific prayer, I'll be over there in the corner. Don't do it just because. I mean, truly, this is between you and the Lord. But I just believe right now it's a season the Lord is raising up sons and daughters. And so, Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, full of the Spirit of God, we pray over this room that identities would be broken in your name. That God, places that we've built up, what we thought we were supposed to be, would be broken in Jesus' name. That the feelings of unworthiness will be broken in Jesus' name. That God, what would rise from these chairs today would be a bunch of sons and daughters of the King of Kings. That what would rise from these chairs today 
would be men and women who've come into their identity. Then, God, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes, and the intimacy with Jesus comes, and the gospel message goes throughout the earth. So, God, will you bring this to this morning? Will you bring your presence in Jesus? Will you set the shackles free? Will you release the prisoners? Will you give us new names that Revelation 2, 7 says, when we listen to the Spirit of the Lord, we're given a new name. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.